This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. The money pit is brought to you by Lumber Liquidators and the Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. On air and online at moneypit.com, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. So happy to be here to celebrate this beautiful spring weekend. It's time to pick up the tools and get to work, and we're here to help you do just that. Pick up the phone first, though, and help yourself at one eight 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 money pit 888-666-3974. And if you're like, tools, no way, not for me. Hey, that's fine, too. If you're going to hire a pro to get a job, we can help you make sure you ask the right questions, set up the right expectations so that your project comes out exactly as planned. But again, help yourself first by calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Coming up on today's program, it is officially spring cleaning season. And as such, the number one tool you'll need to work with is, of course, your vacuum. But if yours just doesn't have the sucking power that it used to, we've got some troubleshooting tips to make sure that number one cleaning tool is working just right. And also ahead this hour, you know, there's really nothing more shocking than getting into your shower and having it be either too hot or worse, too cold. Well, we're going to have some tips on a special type of shower valve that can help you avoid that shower shock coming up. And if your electrical service panel isn't up to snuff, you could get a shock of another kind. We'll walk you through the five signs that show it's time to upgrade that service panel. And this hour, we're giving away a $50 gift card to the Home Depot. You can use it to stock up on your spring cleaning supplies, including products from HDX, which are available exclusively at the Home Depot. And that HDX line has value prices for all our favorite supplies, like household cleaners, without sacrificing quality. So let's get to it. The number again is one eight 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 Money Pit. Give us a call with your home improvement question, and you might just win that fifty dollar gift card to the Home Depot. Leslie, who's first? Bill in Hawaii's got a squeaky faucet. Bill, tell us what's going on. When I turn a faucet on anywhere in the house or flush the toilet, I hit, uh, there's a high pitched whine, and it doesn't seem to make any difference uh, where in which faucet, uh, whether it's hot or cold or upstairs or downstairs. I get this quite high pitched or high tone in the plumbing. Does it go away after it's been running a while, or does it stay on? No, as long as I have a faucet on, it continues. Now, I went on the Internet, and uh, one of the suggestions was that there was a pressure regulator on the input water to the house. So a month ago, I went and adjusted that one way, and it got worse. So just yesterday, I went and turned it the other way, and now it seems to get better. Now it just has a high-pitched whine. We need to turn it on or shut it off, but not during. Is that a possible uh, 
something wrong there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably the pressure regulator or even the main water valve. And the reason that you have such a loud noise is because plumbing makes a really good transmitter of sound. You know, so if you get a little bit of noise down one end of it, it will transmit through the entire house. And the fact that this is consistent, no matter where you are in the house and what you turn on, means that it should be at the main coming into the house because that's the only pipe that's on all the time. So I think you're onto something there with the pressure regulator, and I would consider having that replaced uh, and or the main valve replaced because I think that's where the sound is coming from based on what you've just described. All right. Well, hey, very good. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Priscilla in Massachusetts is on the line, and while we all love birdhouses, guess who else likes them? Squirrels. Let's help her keep them out. What can we do for you today? They've chewed away at the holes of it so that they actually have made it. Uh, the holes bigger, and because of that, the birds are not going in there because the squirrel can go in there. So I, I've already tried PVC piping because I figured that's something I can put in there, insert it, and just in the hole, and it's not too big, kind of narrow. But um, I can't find one that fits. I mean, most of the solutions for bird feeders or bird houses are, are really in two categories. One. They make it rather unpleasant for the squirrel to be able to get up that high with things like cones or plastic bottles or slippery pipes or or ducks or slinkies or things like that that slide around and make a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. Or simply move it completely away from where squirrels can get to it. So, for example, if you were to string a wire between two trees and not have overhanging branches above, the squirrels would never be able to get to that birdhouse. Could I have, do you know of something I can insert in the hole, though? Right, but if you insert it in the hole, the squirrels are still going to hang out in that birdhouse, and they might try to chew their their, their, their way in via another area. Right. So that's why I'm saying that I, I would not focus on reinforcing the birdhouse as much as I would focus on moving it to an area that's less, less likely to be attacked by squirrels. Priscilla, thanks so much for calling us at 188-MONEY-PIT. Next up, we've got Kenneth on the line to the Money Pit, who's got a flooring question. How can we help you today? Hi. Well, I was going to ask you about how do you fix squeaky floors on the second floor of a house that has rugs without ripping up the rugs? There's a couple of things that you can do. First of all, you need to understand what causes the squeak. And generally, it's movement between the subfloor and the floor joist underneath. Right. So to try to reduce the squeak or eliminate it, you know, you mentioned that you got rugs, you don't want to take them up. I just want to tell you that, of course, the surefire way to stop these squeaks is to pull the rugs up and then to screw the subfloor to the floor joist using long, hardened steel screws, which you drive in with a drill. You don't want to do that. So I'm going to tell you a little trick of the trade on how you can fix some of the worst ones without doing that. And that is to locate the floor joists underneath the carpet. Now, you need to do that kind of by trial or an error. You can do that by tapping on the floor. You can do that with a stud finder. There's a whole new line of Stanley stud sensors that work really well, and they'll penetrate through the carpet. You need to find that beam. Once you find the beam, then what you do is you get yourself some 12-penny galvanized finish nails. And I say galvanized, and, and hot dip galvanized is the best. Those are the ones that are really sort of crusty on the outside. And you find that spot, and you drive the nail straight through the carpet. Don't let your wife see you do this, okay, because she'll get upset with you. Straight through the carpet, and then with a nail set, you punch that head right through the carpet. When you finish driving with the hammer, it looks like the carpet's dimpled. 
But if you take a nail set, you'll punch it through the, the surface of the carpet and sort of pull the carpet back up and rub it with your hands a couple of times and it'll, it'll disappear. That divot will disappear. What you're doing is you're securing that floor right above, uh, right through the carpet without pulling the carpet up. Now, I wouldn't want you to do this to the whole house, but I've fixed this in lots of houses using two or three strategically driven nails. And I find if you drive it at a slight angle, it works better because the nail holds better. Okay, well, I noticed they had on the old this old house the other day on TV, they showed you how to do it with the rugs before I called you, and they use this O'Berry Enterprising Kit which is a drill bit that's only got three threads on it that you drill down until you find your stud. Then they have a, a 50 screws with little socket heads on them, and you drill those down into the beam, and then you have a little tool that breaks the head off. And it's ingenious. The only thing is is that I can't find the beams. <laughs> yeah, you need a stud sensor, so that would be a worthwhile investment of a few dollars. I mean, those stud sensors are, you know, 10 to 20 $25 for a real good one. I will, and I thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, it is the weekend before your taxes are officially due, you guys. So if you are hiding underneath receipts trying to figure out what you can get a tax credit on, where'd you put that W-2? <laughs> you got a lot of stuff to work on, my friends. But we're here to give you a hand and sort out whatever we can home improvement-wise. You know how to reach us, 888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Still ahead is your vacuum cleaner acting up. It's not a good time for that, considering spring cleaning is here. We'll have troubleshooting tips next. You live in a money pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Introducing Liquid Nails Fuse-It All-Surface Construction Adhesive. Glass, metal, wood, whatever your job. Liquid Nails Fuse-It bonds almost everything. Liquid Nails Fuse-It All-Surface Construction Adhesive. Don't just glue it, fuse it. Available exclusively at The Home Depot. Making good homes better, this is The Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT with your home improvement question. You'll get the answer. Plus, this hour, we're giving away a $50 Home Depot gift card. You know, you can use it to buy HDX products like HDX brooms, mops, and scrub brushes. In fact, that wide-angle broom made for the home is perfect for either outdoor or indoor use. It's got an extra-wide sweep and angle cut that gives you the access to dirt even in those tight corners. 
corners, and its dual poly fibers are made to pick up both the fine and rough debris. You can learn more at Home Depot or HomeDepot.com, but if you pick up the phone right now and call us, we will toss your name into the Money Pit hard hat and perhaps be sending that $50 Home Depot gift card to you. 888-666-3974. Now we're heading on over to Delaware to chat with Ruth, who's having an issue with water heating. Tell us what's going on. Our water heater is, it's, I'm guessing it's around 12 years old, and um, whenever I use the hot water, it doesn't seem to last very long. And so a couple months ago, maybe six months ago, my husband and his friend, and his friend, I guess that's what he does for a living, they um, emptied the water heater. They put two new elements in. But in my opinion, it's still doing the same thing. Like, it, it didn't, to me, it didn't change the, the length, how long the hot water lasted. And this is an electric water heater? It's not gas. It's electric, yes. And so when they replaced the elements, they tested both elements to make sure they they actually work? I'm not sure if they did that. I, I don't know. They He said they put new elements in. I'm assuming they, I mean, I guess I could ask them later if they did that. Because here's the thing. When you have a water heater that's electric and it runs out of water, hot water quickly, it's usually because one or the other of the two elements burnout or the control circuit breaks down so that they don't actually come on. So what you do as a technician is you run a continuity tester on these coils and it's a way of, of determining whether or not they're they're working or not. Electric coils for a water heater is just like a light bulb. Either works or doesn't work. There's no in between. And so the first thing I would do is check the continuity on both of these coils to make sure they're both physically working because what you're describing to me, sounds like one is not, and, and that could be the whole source of the problem, okay? All right. Ruth, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. We've got Anthony in Tennessee on the line. How can we help you today? Yeah, I got a, a 99, 379 Peterbilt, and it's got one bed in it, and we pretty much live in the truck, and we're, we're wanting to turn that one bed into a bunk bed. We tried to widen it, and it didn't work out too good. So I got to go lightweight because I'm heavy, and the truck's real heavy, so if I do it and two by fours, it's going to be a real heavy, heavy truck. Anthony, you know what comes to mind that I think would be a good solution for you uh, is is a metal bunk bed, an army cot bunk bed. You know, the army cots. If you just Google army cots and bunk beds, you will see a wide variety of metal bunk beds that are stackable, and they certainly have them in light duty to heavy duty designs. They're not terribly expensive. I, I see them online for three, four, five hundred dollars. And they're not very heavy, and they're super strong, and they can be two full twin-sides beds stacked one on top of another. Okay. Well, the bed that's in here, the frame of that bed is part of the truck. So it has to sit on top of that, correct? Yeah, I have to set something into that framework above my bed. Right. So then maybe what you want is just basically one half of that uh, cot-style bunk bed, and then you have to build supports to get it up in the air for the space. So I would take a look okay. at these metal bunk beds online. I think you're going to find your solution there, and it's going to be a lot easier to deal with than trying to frame something that it would. Yeah, because then I could just set it in place and mount it to my bed. Exactly. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. All right, Anthony. Well, I'm glad we helped you out. And i got to say, this is one very unusual question for us, and I'm glad we were able to come up with a solution. Is your vacuum cleaner acting up? Well, the fix might be easier than you think. 
first of all, you got to start by making sure it's actually working, you know, sucking. So check the suction. If it's poor or not even happening, there could be a clog in the hose, the bag, or the filter. So you got to kind of work backwards and see what's going on. Or your canister may be full or just need to be replaced or emptied. Or are you hearing a funny noise or a vibration? I mean, that's a sign something is not right. If it sounds like it's coming from the motor area, it may very well be a broken fan blade. If the noise is coming from the brush area, then it could be a defective brush roller bearing or the brush roller itself. But the good news is that if either is defective, it needs replacing, which is a pretty straightforward DIY project. Mm -hmm. Now, here's another thing. If your vacuum is hard to push or if you're smelling something burning, you know, like a burning rubber smell, it could have a broken or a worn belt inside. So you want to check the brush roller for obstructions, clear away any hair or carpet fibers because they do get stuck in there and that really tends to bind things up. Now, if you do find that the brush roller is spinning freely with the belt removed, you can reinstall the belt and then test for proper operation again. And if you find that you need to replace your vacuum cleaner's belt, here's a tip. Buy two. They're cheap and you can tape the extra one to the vacuum handle so it's always there and handy the next time your belt breaks. For more troubleshooting tips, visit moneypit.com and search vacuum cleaner. All right, now we're heading on over to Ohio with Bobby, who cut down a tree, but is now wondering what's going on with the dirt settling and sidewalk. This sounds like it's got an interesting story, Bobby. What happened to the tree? Uh, well, got a disease in it, and uh, they recommended that I cut it down before it falls on my house. So uh, I had it cut down, and they ground out the stump, and now uh, I was wondering... How long do I have to wait for the uh, dirt to settle or if I even have to wait to, to extend my sidewalk? Well, I certainly wouldn't want to build a sidewalk on top of all of the ground out sawdust because that clearly is going to decay away. I think the best thing to do is to try to add some stone to that stumped area, maybe rake out all of the sawdust and pack it with stone, and then make sure the the new sidewalk uh, is poured over that stone or even in, embed some of the stone into the concrete, because otherwise you're going to build the sidewalk on top of an unstable piece of soil, and that could crack. Another option there is to have the mason add some reinforcement to the sidewalk and make sure the reinforcement straddles the weak area of the soil. So that, again, if you do get some additional compression, the sidewalk won't crack and sink in that area. You're wise to raise this question. You do need to work around it. And I think a good quality mason can can help you do that. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Bobby. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Ralph in Missouri who's working on a ceiling project. Tell us what's going on. There's two rooms upstairs. And the one one side I've uh, changed into a bedroom and put a bathroom up there. The other one, I'd like to take the existing ceiling out and put a cathedral ceiling in. I just want to open the room up. The ceilings are kind of low now. Somebody put suspended ceilings in there, which... Um, Made it even lower. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, it's got the old tongue and, or uh, lab and plaster walls and ceilings and all that. So I guess they didn't want to go to the mess. So what do you do? You just stick up a suspended ceiling. But anyway, I'd like to take um, the existing... Um, Ceiling joists out, and uh, maybe not use the you know the rafters for the uh, for the cathedral ceiling, but add add some new rafters to kind of follow the outline of the roof line. Mm-hmm. But I just want to make sure that if I pull these joists or ceiling joists out of here, 
that uh, the house isn't going to fall down. You know what I mean? The walls aren't going to bow out and fall out on me. Well, the house may not fall down, but the roof might collapse. That's not any better. You see, look, if you've got a very high-pitched roof like that, and that roof is uh, resting on the top plate of the exterior wall, and you take the ceiling joists away, those serve the purpose of tying those exterior walls into the rest of the house. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it, but you just can't do it without re- somehow replacing that uh, structural element. I would recommend that you not do this yourself, that you get help from an architect to design this because it's a little more complicated than what you might think. It's easy to cut stuff away. It's not so easy to put it back together in the right way. And when it comes to this kind of modification, it's got to be done just right. There's other issues, too. Now, you're going you're gonna to have to make sure that this cathedral ceiling is properly ventilated and properly insulated, and that's going to take some work. Otherwise, you're going to add a, uh, an energy-leaking hassle to, uh, to your home that, that won't bode well. And you might want to think about adding some additional lighting, like, uh, like a skylight or something of that nature. So it's a project that can be done, but it's a little more complicated than meets the eye. I would get some professional design help on this. Uh, not and not just uh, get out the old sawzall and cut start cutting things out of the way. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, good advice. All right, Ralph. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Hey, do you experience trip circuits a little more often than you'd like around your money pit? Like, say, when you're in the middle of blow drying your hair. Well, you might want to see if it's time to upgrade your electrical service panel. This old house electrical contractor, Scott Karen, is going to give us the five signs you might need an upgrade after this. And today's This Old House segment is brought to you by Lumber Liquidators. With over 400 varieties of bamboo, laminate, wood-like tile, vinyl plank, and hardwood floors for less. Hi, I'm Adam Carolla. I've built hundreds of houses. I can tell you how to avoid falling into that money pit. Listen to Money Pit Radio with Tom and Wesley. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. We are here to help you with your home improvement or home decor question. 
All right, now we've got Phyllis in Ohio on the line who's having an issue with some plants and a neighbor's AC. Tell us what's going on. Yes, uh, their air conditioner is on the back wall of my patio, and they run it 24-7 during hot weather. Okay. And um, my plants is beautiful until they turn the air conditioner on, and even though I'd water them three times a day, they turned into nothing but sticks. And I'm wondering if something could be built, you know, kind of around the patio or the um, air conditioner so they can have their use of it, but I can still enjoy my plants. So this is a wall air conditioner? Yes. You can create an enclosure around that. So, for example, if you were to build something with lattice that was sort of walled and, and separated that area from your patio, as long as you need, you need to leave about 12 inches of airspace around the air conditioner for it to work correctly. So if they'll let you, you could build something with lattice around it, and then perhaps on the lattice you could uh, add a a vine or something like that that would fill in nicely and be nice and green and give you a bit more privacy from that space as as well. I, I do question, though, why the air conditioner could be causing the plants to die, unless it's the fact that there's a new airflow that's always pulling air through there, or it's it's uh, hiding some of the sun from getting it or something like that. So I wouldn't necessarily totally blame the air conditioner, but if you're asking me, can you build some sort of a screening? Yeah, you can do that with lattice, as long as you leave about 12 inches of space for the air to get around it, because otherwise the air conditioner is not going to work properly. I appreciate your uh, help. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Well, your home's electrical panel is made up of circuits that provide electricity to your home. You probably never think about it until a circuit trips, and you have to. True, but if you find that happening more often, could it be a sign that you need to upgrade your electrical service panel? Scott Karen is a master electrician and electrical contractor for This Old House and joins us now with five signs your service panel may need an upgrade. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the program. Hey, it's good to be here. A lot of times I think when people have one circuit breaker trip, they think they need a whole new panel, but that's not the case, right? No, it's definitely not the case. If there's a circuit that's given them a hard time, either the circuit is undersized or it's tandem on to something else that shouldn't be. And that could be repaired without replacing the entire panel. But there are things that might indicate a panel replacement is due. The first one you suggest is faulty wiring. What do you mean? Faulty wiring is certainly one of the common causes of residential fires in the United States. There are some signs that you can look at dimming of the lights or flickering. I mean, if you're getting a shock when you're near the washing machine or yeah, sink, that's That's a bad a sign. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and, the, and, and obviously, if you're smelling something burning, after you call the fire department, you call an electrician, see what's going on with that. Now, what if you have a fuse panel? Is that necessarily a bad thing? Does that mean that you need a new circuit breaker panel? You know, Tom, I'm, I'm not against fuses. I really like them. They've been around for a long time. When they shut off, they're off. And you call an electrician to find out what the problem is. But they are inconvenient. And some insurance companies, they do have some problems with them. But, you know, it's a good time to update because you can't buy fuse panels anymore and they're hard to expand with. And very often uh, over the years, folks will put the wrong size fuse in the panel because the this one fuse, a 15-amp fuse and a 20-amp fuse basically fit in the same size hole, right? That sounds like you're talking from experience, Tom. I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> it comes from 20 years as a professional home inspector removing those fuse panel doors and looking inside and going, oh, look at that, a number 14 wire on a 20-amp fuse. Not a good thing. You know, I could see the pressure there, though, if you got Thanksgiving at your house and yeah. something's not working. There's a little bit of pressure to get the lights working, but you're right. They can be interchanged. They came up 
out with some safety fuses later on in the evolution of fuses. But, you know, circuit breakers are nice. You can't mess around with them too much. Now, another sign, I think, is when you just see people really trying to stretch that electrical system to the limit. They've got extensive electrical cords and power strips and the like. You know, that might be a sign that you're just really short on wiring. Tom, everything has a plug on it these days, whether it's a cell phone or, I I mean, everything. You need a plug for it. And we put a lot of outlets in because of that. But yeah, if you if you need to expand, you, you're going to need to add circuits to it. Now, as an electrical contractor, I guess there does come a point where you're doing all this wiring in the house as it is. Replacing the panel doesn't really add significantly to the expense at that point. No. I mean, the, the minimum size electrical panel is 100 amps that we're using in houses these days. A more common one is 200. Now, back in the 80s, we used to put 400s in for some of these, I guess, average size homes um, but not anymore because of all this Energy Star appliances and LED technology with the light bulbs. We're actually using less power and they're not as required. That's a good point because that's another reason that folks would replace their panels because they were putting in new appliances, but they're just that more, that much more efficient these days. Yeah, sometimes we'll take out a 40-amp range and put something in that only uses 20, 25 amps. So I see it every day. The refrigerators are getting better. And uh, those are your two biggest uses of electricity in the house. So, And I guess if you are planning on upgrading or renovating your home and you're doing that work, replacing that panel could be a perfect project to add to that job. Absolutely. And obviously, it's an electrician's job. Um, I have seen some homeowners do it in the past, but, you know, they have Not some, a good idea. No, they have somebody working very closely with them. They had to have. Scott Karen, the electrical contractor on TV's This Old House, thank you so much for stopping by The Money Pit. You got it. It was fun to be here. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you on PBS by GMC. GMC, we are professional grade. Still ahead, have you ever experienced shower shock? Like maybe when your shower suddenly goes icy cold or scalding hot? Good news, there's an easy fix. Learn how when the Money Pit returns after this. You live in a Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. 
Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. You are going to get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus, this hour, we're giving away a very useful spring cleaning prize. We've got up for grabs a $50 Home Depot gift card, which is awesome. But you can use it to buy HDX products like brooms, mops, scrub brushes, What's super fantastic about the HDX products is that there's a wide-angle broom, which really is perfect for either indoor or outdoor use. You've got an extra-wide sweeping angle that gives you access to dirt, even in those tight corners. And its dual-poly fibers are made to pick up both fine and rough debris. So whether you're cleaning inside or outside of the house, you're going to end up with a super spotless area. Check it on out at homedepot.com or Home Depot. And give us a call right now for your chance to win that $50 Home Depot gift card. 888 Chuck in Rhode Island needs some help cleaning something. What's going on at your money pit? How would you suggest I go about removing blood stains from carpeting? Well, I'm assuming since you're calling in, it's nothing that we want to hide or cover up, correct? No, no. Oh, no, 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 no. All right. Have they been down there a long time? Yeah, about six months. All right. So there's a couple of different things that you can try, one of which is to make a paste out of salt. And so you take a bowl of cold water and you put enough salt in to make a bit of a paste. And then you apply that to the carpet, let it sit a bit, brush it in with like a small brush, like a small old hairbrush or a toothbrush, and see if it starts to lift the stains away. Uh, you can dab it with water to kind of thin out the salt. And then after it dries, you can vacuum it and that will pull all the rest of the salt off of it. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is to try to make a mixture of hydrogen peroxide up in water. This hydrogen peroxide will also clean up blood. I always say to try this, though, in an area that's inconspicuous because it also has somewhat of a bleaching effect. We don't want to have you bleach out the, the carpet. So you can try it in a corner, under furniture, in a closet, wherever you know, wherever you have a less visible area. What ratio of the peroxide to water? Well, no, actually, you can just put the peroxide on without water. Just put like 3% hydrogen peroxide. Okay, I'll try those those items and see what happens. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Well, it's probably happened to you at least once or twice. You're standing in your shower. You're enjoying the warm water when all of a sudden, yikes, the water turns freezing cold or scalding hot. Yeah, that experience can really knock anybody off balance, but there's a simple solution, and that's to install a pressure-balanced valve. Now, it works by adjusting the pressure changes as the water comes in through the hot and cold supply lines. A piston in that valve will automatically open or close to maintain that balance and the pressure, which in turn will keep that water flowing at an ambient temperature. You know, the one you want. Yep, exactly. Now, pressure-balancing valves are now required in new construction in most states, Installing one does require plumbing work. It's not a DIY job because you have to cut through the back of the wall where the faucets are located, but it's really worth it. Yeah, and you know what? If you're already opening up a wall back there, take this opportunity to add an access panel because if anything ever happens again, at least you'll be able to just quickly get into it to make repairs, to make changes, upgrades, whatever it is, rather than having a big
big construction project at your hands. Now, if you don't want to get that involved with a pressure balance valve, you can simply adjust your current valve, which is a fairly simple DIY project. First, you want to take off the hot water shower handle. Now, there may be a screw on the end of that handle that needs to be removed before the handle will come off. So do that. Find the large valve stem. It's going to be directly behind the area where you removed the handle. There'll be some screws attached to the valve stem. Now, this screw controls the shower mix valve. Right. Now, if you want to release more hot water, you simply turn that screw counterclockwise. And of course, you can turn it clockwise if you want to release less hot water. You want to test the valve to see where that water temperature is at. It wouldn't go any more than 90 to 100 degrees because other than that, it's going to get pretty scalding hot. And when you're done, you reattach the shower handle, you replace the screw that holds it in place, and you're good to go. If you have a question about your home improvement project, we'll help make sure you're also good to go on that job. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Now we've got Scott in Iowa on the line who needs help with the painting project. Tell us what you're working on. I just recently bought a um, rental house, and the plaster, it's an older home, and the plaster was falling off the house. Well, the guy I bought it from had repaired it. But if you look at it, it's falling out in some areas and falling back in in some areas. And I was just wondering, would I have to re-drywall it, or is there a cheaper and easier way to fix that? How much of this exists? Is there a lot of this that's where it's, the plaster seems to be loose? Throughout the whole house. Yeah. Okay, so it's a problem because it's going to be dangerous. What happens is the plaster, when it's applied, it's applied over something called wood lath, which are like thin strips of wood, kind of look like those sticks we use to hold up garden plants and tomatoes and things like that. And the plaster expands to behind the lath, and it sort of locks in place. But over the years with an old house, those keyways, we call them, loosen up, and then the plaster is not attached to the wall anymore. So you are looking at a situation where the walls are going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And if it's the ceiling that's loose, it could be dangerous because when that plaster falls, it's really, really heavy. I've seen it dent floors and certainly could hurt somebody. So now we have the question is, what's the best way to deal with this? Should I tear the plaster out? Should I drywall over? I've done it both ways. I've come to the conclusion after trying it this way for many years that the best thing to do is to put drywall on top of the plaster, not tear it out for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's less messy. Uh, Secondly, that even when you tear out the lath and the plaster, you'll find that the studs from the old house behind it are not very even. So when you put drywall up, it tends to warp sometimes. So what I would do is I would attach new drywall over the plaster. You can use three-eighths of an inch thick drywall too. You don't even need to use half-inch drywall. And then by attaching from the drywall through the plaster into the studs, you'll help secure that loose plaster so you won't have any further movement in that room. That would be my recommendation. That works out. Hey, still to come, does your driveway and sidewalk look like a scene out of a horror movie? You know, Attack of the Killer Weeds? Well, we're going to help you get a head start on controlling the weeds with our tips when the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues after this. Money Pit is brought to you by Glisten. Glisten makes it easy to clean, freshen, and maintain your dishwasher, disposer, microwave, and washing machine. So improve the performance of your appliances with cleaning solutions from Glisten, the machine cleaning experts. Visit glistencleaners.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And if you'd like 
tips, advice, and home improvement info delivered right to your inbox every Friday morning, you need to sign up for the Money Pit's free e-newsletter. Hey, and it's just in time for all your weekend projects, so you'll get a lot of great ideas on what you should be working on around your Money Pit. Just like our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash themoneypit. And look for the sign-up button right there in our cover photo. And by signing up, you'll have access to our weekly e-newsletter, a great resource for do-it-yourselfers and direct-it-yourselfers. Check it out at facebook.com slash the money pit. All right. Post your questions online as well, because we'd love to help you out with all of your emails and posted questions. Now, here's one from Old House DIYer who writes, 12 years ago, we bought a 100-year-old home. We gutted the second floor about eight years ago, and one of the walls on the second floor developed a crack, then a second, and a third. My concern is not how to repair, but I'm wondering if I have a structural issue. Well, Old houses and new houses, for that matter, um, have a, a quite a bit of movement in them as they expand and contract. The question with these cracks is whether or not they're normal movement or indications of, say, a deeper structural problem. So if this is drywall, I'm presuming since you took all the pla- you probably took a bunch of plaster down, you put drywall on. Um, it's indeed possible that these cracks are nothing to worry about. It really depends on if they're progressing. And I think to be absolutely sure, I would probably have this looked at by not a contractor. That's very important because they have motivation to sell you a repair, but perhaps a professional home inspector who is not in the repair business or an engineer if you have access to one or want to hire one. And then when it comes time to do these repairs, Many people make mistakes when they're trying to repair wall cracks and they just sort of spackle over it and it looks good for a moment, but then of course the crack opens up again sometime within weeks. What you want to do is put a drywall tape over that crack. We recommend the perforated tape, like the fiberglass kind of mesh tape, only because it's really easy to work with. Uh, And then you spackle over that. That tends to bridge the gap of the crack uh, and not open up again as the walls expand and contract. Now, if it does turn out that there is a structural problem, you obviously have to have it fixed. I would at that point engage an engineer to recommend and specify exactly what the repair that has to be done is. Then you bring in the contractor, have them work off the engineer's design to make that repair. Next, there's one more important step. You bring the engineer back and have them certify that it was properly fixed. And this way you have kind of a pedigree if it ever comes up, perhaps in a home inspection later when you're trying to sell the house that this crack existed and was repaired, you'll know that it was done correctly and you'll be able to prove it. Yeah, and that's really helpful, you know, especially even as Tom said, if you're going to sell the house down the road and something shows up, it really is super helpful. All right, now we've got a post here from Nick who writes, how do I kill the weeds growing in my gravel driveway? I've tried vinegar. Can I try anything else? I'm spraying the driveway about once a month. I think what I would do is I would recommend a product called Roundup. I've used that myself on patios where you have weeds that come up in between. And you simply want to spray the weed very strategically. One way to do that is to take like a milk jug and cut the bottom off of it. Surround the weed with the milk jug and then spray through the top of the milk jug so you know you totally get that weed. You don't get drift because if you do get drift with that Roundup material that gets on your grass, it'll kill that as well. Just chase it with the Roundup and I think you'll be good to go. All right, focused spraying. Good luck, Nick. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on a beautiful spring weekend. We hope we have inspired you with some tips and ideas to tackle the projects that you need to get done around your Money Pit. Remember, if you've got questions, 
We've got answers 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT and always online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.